Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. I preached this not too long ago, and I just feel like I'm supposed to start the service with this today, and it was this. What if God only met you at your level of expectation? Right, so we know he's here, and we know he's present, and we know he's moving, but what if he only met you at your level of expectation, as in, what did you show up to receive this morning? Right, did you come in like, ah, it's another Sunday. Right, there's no Super Bowl to watch. There's there's no, like, it's over. Like yesterday, Ohio State and the team from up north played at the First Energy Stadium in hockey. Like that game's over. So what am I supposed to do? Well, you can come in expecting God to do a mighty work in your life. Like, God, I'm expecting you to move. God, I'm expecting you to speak to just me. I'm expecting to experience your presence in worship. I'm expecting you to do a move that only you can do. And so let's, let's come expecting God to show up in such a mighty way. Amen? But we're jumping into our last part of our series entitled Get in the Game. Right? Get in the game. We want to move from spectator to participant. We just don't want to sit up in the nosebleed section like, oh, look at what God's doing. No, we want to get on the field. We want to get into the game and to be about his mission and his purpose. The passion of this heart is, of this series is moving from spectator to participant. We've been dialing in through the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, where it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Right, like, oh, this, this is a wonderful book. This is great. What am I supposed to do with it? Walk in obedience. If he asks it of you, if he says it of you, then will you say yes back to him? And so we want to make sure that we're walking in obedience to the word this morning. As we start, I just want to ask a question. How many of you have ever heard of Candy Chang? Like, she's your friend on social media. You're like, I have no clue who Candy Chang is. That's okay. I'm going to give you a little a revelation this morning who Candy is. Uh, A number of years ago, back in 2011, she had a dear friend of hers that passed away from liver cancer. And it was in that moment where she began contemplating, what is it, what is it, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Right, the Mark Mark Twain, like the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and number two is the day you find out why. Why am I here? And she began asking, what am I, what am I going to do? And so she was in New Orleans and she, she took an abandoned house and she painted a giant chalkboard on the side of a house and she began using this as a template Before I die, I want to. And surely people gathered from all over New Orleans. They began writing, before before I die, I want to. And they would fill in the blank. I want my marriage to be restored. I I want to be able to travel the world. I want to be able to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And what started off as just a, a personal art project has now turned into a global art project. Because this was one public space and now it's been spread that there are now over 5,000 walls canvassed with this template, before I die, I want to. It is in 75 countries and, and, and translated in over 35 languages. And my question to you, my challenge to you this morning would be, how would you fill in your blank? How do you fill in your blank? Before I die, I want to. I want you, I want you to be processing that today through the message. Because over this series, we've been asking some tough questions. We, in week one, we kicked off and we talked about what burdens you, right? What bothers you? What's stirred up with inside of you? Right? Is, there, is there a need that you see that just causes you to weep, that brings you to tears? Is there a biblical injustice? Is there a need? Is there a struggle in somebody's life? And you go, man, I have to do something about that because I'm so passionate because it burdens me. 
And then in week two, we begin asking, what passion is God stirring up with inside of you? Right? If he's stirring it with inside of each and every one of us, a different passion, a new calling, a new purpose, then if he's doing it within, then he wants it to come out. Because he wants to be able to, to see you the way that he sees you as a world changer. And today we're going to be talking about now that I've been stirred, now that I've been bothered, now that I have this passion, how do I fan it to flame? Like what do I do with this little spark, right? This little thought, this little dream. How do I make it into a reality? How do I move from spectator to participant? How do I take this heart of passion and move and, and be able to say, God, I want to get in the game. How do I take this little spark that's been birthed within me and it becomes a blaze that will impact the world around me? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. In 1991, I know some of you in the front row, you're like, I, 1991, it was a while ago, it was a long time ago. I was in high school. You can judge me if you want, but that's okay. All right, I'm in high school, and I'm watching the news, and they're talking about one of the biggest urban blazes that had ever started. So it was the o Oakland Fire of 1991. And so it starts as just this little spark in the Berkeley Hills. And now all of a sudden, if you've ever experienced this, they're called the Diablo winds out of the West. And these winds begin blowing. They begin stirring up. And so what was a little spark... Right? A little flame, a little flicker with these winds, with this breath, now was turned into a giant raging fire. Actually, it's one of the most devastating fires that we've ever experienced or seen. Over 1,500 acres were burned, 3,500 homes, houses, apartments, condos, totally gone. The expense of this devastation reached over $1.5 billion. And it all started with one spark. One spark with the right wind. And I wonder today if that would be true of you and I. I wonder today if there would be one spark within this room that would have the fresh breath, that pneuma of the Holy Spirit, breathe in your heart that, that you could be that spark that would set an entire forest ablaze. What if that one spark was ignited and you were that forest fire to see victory? What if you were that spark and you were that blaze in order to see a life that would be transformed? What if you were that spark of deliverance? What if you were that spark of the life-giving word of Jesus Christ? What if you were that person? What if you were, God is asking you to be that conduit of his spirit, of his presence, to be able to deliver hope in a broken world? What if you were that, that spark or that conduit in order to be able to be a reconciler for those that are hurt? What if you were that spark or that hope of healing or restoration? What if he wants to use you? What if he wants to use you? So how, can we, how do we fan the flame? How do we move from dream to reality? Let me give you a few sample sparks this morning. These, these may not be yours, but maybe they are yours. Maybe, maybe you have a little spark of reaching out to single moms. Maybe that's been a burden of yours, and you're like, some, I feel like God's asking me to reach out to, to single moms. I see their struggle, and I, and I want to be able to do something. I want to be able to encourage them or inspire them or walk alongside them. I've, I've had a few dads, and some of you dads, you this wasn't anybody in this room, but it was somebody in a different room. But they've come up to me like, Pastor Lance, man, it's so tough. My wife went away and I had to babysit my kids. And I was like, hold on a minute. They're your kids. You don't get paid to babysit your own kids. You're not the babysitter, you're their father. Right? And you're like, the struggle is real, man. The struggle is real. These kids, they drive me crazy. And I'm like, well, they're your offspring. They act like you. That's what happens. No, I'm just kidding. But, but here we go. Maybe your heart is to be able to reach out to single moms. Maybe, maybe there's a spark with inside of you that says, man, I just want to be a, a word of encouragement to those around me. You say, God, who can I encourage today? And you, and you fast and you pray and you're, God, you're like, God, who is it that needs a word today? Maybe, who can I call? Who can I send a, a text message to? Maybe, maybe you go old school and you write a note. 
The mail delivery still, still happens in the United States. It's powerful. Just the other day, yesterday, went to the mail, and I, had a, I was like, oh, someone likes me, right? And it was Lance Presky. I opened it up, and I was like, it was two sentences of thank you. Thank you for speaking. Thanks for investing of your time. We, re- we appreciate it. And I was like, oh, that's so nice, right? And so maybe that's the Lord just speaking to you to say, man, I'm going to be an encouragement. Every day I want to encourage somebody. Or maybe, maybe God's put a, a spark within you to, to take care of our soldiers, to send words of encouragement or a, or a care package to those serving our country. Maybe, maybe it's a Christmas package for our missionaries. We support over 50 missionaries around the globe in, in here in the United States. And, and maybe you're like, I wish someone, I wish someone would help. I wish someone had a passion. I wish someone had a burden to lift them up and to say, man, I see you and I want to send you a care package. Or maybe it's a school. Maybe it's your child's school where you're like, I would love to be a conduit of his love, to be able to go into the the teacher's lounge and to be able to pray, to be able to give, to be able to serve. Our heart as we plant campuses is that when we plant campuses and we can engage with communities that we would be engaging in the local schools. And so maybe it's a school and you're like, I need to be used. There's a passion within my heart. Is it possible you are the answer to someone's problem? Is it possible that you, you are the answer to someone's problem? You're like, I don't think it's going to be me. I think it's going to be you. I think you walk through life and you, you experience re- per- pain and those pain have purposes and it's through those purposes that God uses you to speak life into somebody else. And so are we willing to say, God, use me? Whatever that would be, I wanna be willing to say yes to you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Nehemiah. We, we jumped in Nehemiah last week as we talked about getting in the game We talked about him a little last week, how he was the wrong person in the wrong place with the wrong position. But listen, church, listen to me. Never disqualify yourself from doing something great for God because you don't possess the necessary qualifications. Like, I don't don't have that gifting. I don't have that personality. I I don't have that. Well, neither did Nehemiah. Based upon traditional leadership processes, right? The, the characteristics we look for in a leader, man, they gotta, they gotta have people around them, they gotta have leadership, they gotta have power and prestige, they gotta have the education, and they gotta be able to speak with eloquence. And so that's what we're looking for. That's not who Nehemiah was. And yet he finds himself in this position. He was not at the top of anybody's organizational flowchart. Like, oh, it's the king, and then it's Nehemiah. He was a cupbearer. We talked about this last week, what it means to be a cupbearer. He would drink the wine, he would eat the food, and if he died, then the king wouldn't eat it because he would know it was poisoned by somebody who was trying to take his position. And so then he was replaceable, he was dispensable. And so now we see Nehemiah in a position and he teaches us something very valuable and it's this, that our biggest challenge is ourselves. It's ourselves. We get in the way of what God wants to do and we make all the excuses in the world, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough, I'm not wise enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not lean enough, I don't have the education, I don't have a doctorate from from a seminary. And we begin saying, well, God, you possibly couldn't use me. If you're gonna use me, then I'm gonna gonna need to know because I don't don't meet the qualifications. But what if I fail? What What if I drop the ball? What if I miss the mark? What if people don't like me? I love our students sitting up in the front row. We have a number of our students that feel called into ministry, whether that's a youth ministry, whether that's in missions. Can you guys do me a favor? Can you raise your hand if you're one of our called students? Look at all that, look at that, let's go. Love it. We've taken some intentional time to be able to pour into them, to speak into them, and and we love that, but it's authentic and it's real. And so we teach and we train with the understanding of failure is not only a possibility, but it will happen. 
you will miss the mark. You will get it wrong, and that's okay. As long as we're failing forward, as long as we're learning from our mistakes and going, okay, that's a teachable lesson, and I'm willing to learn. And then also when I mention, like, it's possible people won't like you. They may not. You're like, that wasn't very good. I didn't like when you did this. I don't, I don't like the way you dress. Your beard, it's just not. I'm just kidding, Jake. I'm just picking on you, right? And it's like, no. But we have to understand, it's, nobody else called us but the Lord. And so it's not for us pleasing them, it's for us pleasing him. And so when we stand before the Lord one day, it's not going to be everyone around us going, mm, I'm not so sure that was good. No, the only voice we want to hear is the Lord saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so we're pleasing him, we're not pleasing the world. And so if he called you, I would encourage you to, to fall into line with that calling. Because our biggest challenge is oftentimes ourselves. Countless given, God-given dreams will never be seen or heard because people are afraid to nurture the life that God gives them. It's God who gives them. Right? We unpacked this a few weeks ago where, where, where it's like, hey man, I have this life, I have this vision, I have this dream, and I know it's God-given, but it's up to us to nurture them. It's up, to them, it's up to us to dive into them and to see them come to fruition. Everybody has a dream. You have a dream. The, par- the person next to you has a dream. But very few people are willing to light the fuse and allow it to explode into a reality. Right? You, have, you have the lighter. You have the wick. All you need to do is light it, and God will do the rest. But are we willing to, to fall into and allow that fuse to become a reality? You will die with the dream in your heart unless you decide to act upon it. Right, I don't want to die with a dream in my heart. I don't, when I fill out that blank, before I die, I want to. Man, I want everything that, my, that the Lord has given me to come to fruition. I don't want to die with it in my heart. I want it to come to action. And so that means we have to be willing to move. There could be some costs, but what do you have to lose? And who cares if it fails? If it's a new business, run with the, the idea. If it's a passion of yours, run with it. Right? Old, old school for a minute, Right? Think back to the early 1900s. In order to get your luggage somewhere, you had to carry it, and you would, you would lug all of that luggage around, and you would travel. And then somebody said, man, this doesn't make any sense. And they said, why don't we put wheels on this luggage? So Mr. Sato develops this, this four-wheel system where he put four wheels on the bottom of a luggage, and then some of you remember, there would be the little strap, and then you'd have to bend down, and then you'd wheel it through like the airport or wherever you're going like this, like it was a dog on a leash, and it, was, it would fall all over the place. And then all of a sudden, in, ni- in 1987, Robert Plath, anybody ever heard of Robert Plath? Like he, he doesn't have his name plastered anywhere. He, w- he was an airplane pilot for Northwest Airlines. That doesn't even exist anymore. But he, he realized something. He was like, man, I, I travel all the time and I'm getting tired of pulling my luggage. And so in his basement, he loved to tinker with toys. And all of a sudden he's like, what if I put two wheels on this luggage and I stand it upright with a handle? It wasn't, it wasn't the University of Luggage Engineering that created this passion or this idea. He saw a need, he met a need. And it was through that that it revolutionized the way that we travel because now we just walk through the airport like this. And now it's like we slotted everywhere we want to go. But it was one man with one heart and with one passion. He moved from spectator to participant. So this morning I want to give you five practical steps of how you can fan into flame from moving from spectator to participant participant. First one is this. It's through prayer and intercession. Right? It, it starts with prayer. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11. It says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. 
So Nehemiah is praying, God, give me favor as I approach the king. I'm going to need your favor. And so he's praying, he's seeking. Vision begins from your knees down. You want a spark, you want a vision, you want God to do something great, then it's going to start from your knees down as you seek the Lord in prayer. Because you may be in the room, you may be watching online, and you're like, I don't have the power, I don't have the position, I don't have the privilege, but all of us can pray. All of us can pray. Because every fire birthed by God is ignited with prayer. So you begin to pray out. God, what's this passion? What's this spark? What's this nudge? What's this sensing of the Holy Spirit that I'm feeling? Because what gasoline is to fire, prayer is to passion. Right? You want to you, you wanna see a fire burn and you throw some gasoline on there? Bad idea. Okay, I'm just telling you, it's a bad idea. If you want to keep your eyebrows, it's a bad idea. Been there, done that. But, but what that will do is ignite it into a giant fire. What prayer does to your passion is ignite ignites that into a deeper fire. Prayer is saying, God, I want to get in the game. God, I want to get in the game. I want to get my hands dirty. Prayer will expand your vision to see what you cannot see. Prayer will be able to expand your vision to see what only God can see as he reveals it to you. And you're like, man, I didn't even think that was possible. Because I didn't, I didn't see that before. And then God, the great revealer, begins to, to, to allow you to see what he sees, the brokenness and the hurt and the pain. And then you have that glimmer, you have that hunch, you have that nudge. And now what do you do with it? You pray it out. God, I'm going to seek you in prayer. I'm going to seek you with this spark. Because prayer will position your heart with the right motives. It's not what you want, it's but what he wants. Because maybe you have a dream, you have a passion, and you're like, God, how do I know it's him? Pray. I know that sounds simple, but seek him and allow him to make sure that your motives are pure. Second thing, if you're taking notes, the second practical step is keep your day job. Keep your day job. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. It says, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. What did Nehemiah do? Nehemiah didn't go, oh, I got this dream, I got this vision, I'm going to go rebuild these walls. And so, king, see ya. No, he said, man, I'm, I'm still going to do what God has asked me to do while I'm praying, while I'm working, while I'm fasting, while I'm weeping for this burden. So he didn't quit his day job. So I would encourage you, keep doing what you're doing because timing is everything. King David was anointed king ever before he took office. But what do you do in the waiting? What do you do while you wait? Because delay is not denial, it's, it's, it's a pause. And so you wanna make sure in that pause, you're seeking the Lord and saying, okay, God, what is it that you would have for me in this moment? And how do I take this spark, this flame, and be able to put it to work? Keep doing what you're doing, but continue in your heart to work out that vision. Number three is survey the land to discover God's plan. Right? Survey the land to discover God's plan. In Nehemiah chapter two, he was ready to ask the king, and, and it was in the right timing, and this is what he says in verse four. It says, the king said to me, what is it you want? Right, so the, he's already prayed. Now he asked the king what he wants, and I love the response. It says, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, right? What is it you want? I need to pray real quick. Like goes to his prayer closet, turns around, goes back to the king. Hey, king, this is what I want. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And so he begins surveying and he begins telling the king, hey, this is, this is a plan that I believe that God has birthed in my heart. It says, then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. In verse seven, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so they will provide me safe, safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make the beams for the gates and the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my 
requests. What? Right? There's a burden. There's a passion. There is prayer. There is a survey of the land. And now there's the right timing for Nehemiah to be able to approach the king. And I wonder if the right time to do the right thing would be right now. Where God's already given you that spark and you've kind of been sitting on it, on that chair that we talked about week, week one, that chair of complacency that says, I can't, I can't do it. And God's like, no, 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 you can do it. That's what I love about the Lord, that when we are weak, he is strong. When we don't think we, we can, he can. And so we got to be able to settle in and survey that land. So I would encourage you to get that vision, clearly to find it and be ready to share it, right? Be ready to share it. This is what I want to do, because when you share it, there's power that happens. There's power. Number four is take an inventory and gather people of like passion. Gather people. Take that inventory. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 16 through 18, I'm not going to read all of it, but in verse 18, it says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, they, key word, they replied, let us start rebuilding. Remember when, we, remember when we talked about Nehemiah, that when he went and he saw the walls, that all the servants and everybody with him couldn't understand why he was weeping, why he was crying, why he was fasting? He was it. It wasn't a burden. It wasn't a spark for anybody else. But now look what happens. It doesn't say Nehemiah. It says, let us. Let us. As in, we're all in this together. That spark that started Nehemiah is now spreading with people with like passion, and those walls are going to be rebuilt. I wish I had the time to share. I don't have the time to share. But this, over the past 10 days, we've had three different individuals, one a complete stranger, one person that we haven't heard from in maybe six, eight, eight months, something like that, that said, I just, I just want to speak something over your life. And, and they were, here's the crazy thing. All three of them were in unity of what God wants to do at Radiant Life Church. Someone we don't even know. He's like, I have this word. This may seem awkward. I know you've never met me, but I want to share this with you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm always like, is it a million dollars? What do you have for me? No, he's like, hey, I just feel like the Lord wants to do a great thing in your life and through your life. And I was like, I received that word. And he wants to pour out his spirit at Radiant Life Church like never before. And I was like, I received that word. I was like, Lord, let it be. But here's what I know. The spark, when it's ignited, brought to fruition, isn't gonna be because the staff, Pastor Lance, Pastor Angel, are going to force it to make it happen. It's gonna be because let us let us rebuild the walls. Let us seek the face of the Lord. Let us worship. Like it will, it will begin and it will start, but it will be brought to fruition because each and every one of us say, I'm on it. And I'm, I'm moving forward to the direction and the vision that God has for each and every one of us. I would encourage you, if you've got a spark, man, use your social media. Put it out there. Share your passion. See, this, see what happens. See the response. Maybe somebody sees it and goes, man, I, I don't know why, but this resonates with me and I'm gonna help you. And I wanna see that brought to fruition. And lastly, if you're taking notes, practical step number five is find a need and start with what you have. Find a need and start with what you have. See, what Nehemiah was doing was a huge undertaking. I mean, he's going to rebuild these walls. He's going to rebuild these gates. It's impossible, right? Caterpillar didn't exist in biblical times. They did not have the moving equipment necessary to rebuild these walls. And yet what seemed impossible is now made possible. Because what, would, what should have taken years, possibly even decades, if you go to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15, it took 52 days. What? 52 days to be able to rebuild the walls, to put back together? How did they do it? One stone at a time. You want to rebuild a wall? You want to see a spark come to fruition? It's one stone at a time. 
You're like, man, I'm gonna change the world. I wanna see it happen. But how about start with one person? How about start with a neighbor, a coworker, a stranger? How about invest in the life of just one person? How about you see a need, you meet a need? How, how, you see somebody who's walking through something, right? You're like, man, I heard, I heard you had surgery. I heard you're going through something. And so can I bring you a meal? Do you know how powerful that is? You say, well, Pastor Lance, don't, if, aren't you in a life group? If you're in a life group, don't, doesn't the life group help with meals? Yes, we will. If you're not in a life group, does the church still help with meals? Yes, we will. But do you know what is so far greater than the church administrative assistant reaching out to you to help meet a need is a random stranger who you don't know reaching out to you to help meet that need. Don't wait for the church to do what God has asked you to do. So God's got that spark. And you're like, man, I'm gonna meet that need because I, I see it and I feel it. Maybe all of us are on a journey, on a journey of chasing after Jesus, getting as close to him as possible we possibly can. And so maybe when, when they were up here this morning, the announcements, they were talking about life group, you're like, man, that's the next step for me. I'm not in a life group. If you feel like that's a spark and something you're supposed to do, then I would say sign up. Be a part of what God is asking of you. Here's what I love, is we can start with the natural. We can start with the natural, but let God put his super on our natural. Let him do what only he can do. Let him move in ways that we didn't even think were possible. I love in Mark chapter six, Jesus, Jesus is gonna feed five, the 5,000. The problem is the son, of, the son of God shows up and he doesn't have enough food. There's five loaves, there's two fish. So there's a problem and now there needs to be a solution. So what are we gonna do? Because even the best chef on planet earth, right, cannot take just five, five loaves and two fish and feed thousands upon thousands of people. And I love what it says in verse 41. It says that he gave thanks for what he had. Would you start today with that spark and give thanks for what you have. Not what somebody else has, but what you have. You're like, well, I don't have enough. It doesn't matter what anybody else in the room has. God is asking you, and if he's asking you, then he is more than enough. He will provide. He's Jehovah Jireh, not your neighbor. He is. So he will provide for you. So Jesus gave thanks for what he had. And as he began to give it away, I love that multiplication happened. So sometimes we just have to give away what we already have. So what's that spark? What's that passion? So we're gonna end service a little bit different today. We're gonna end with communion. You're like, well, that doesn't seem different. We're ending communion a little bit different today. So typically we have the gold plates. Actually, someone today saw them and they were like, I didn't even know we still had those. They still exist. COVID cannot take our communion plates. That's what we found out. But typically we pass them around and you grab and then we wait and then we pray and, and we're gonna pray in just a moment. But today we're, we're not gonna pass. We're not gonna pass the plate. What I'm gonna ask you to do after I'm done praying is I'm gonna ask you to get up out of your chair. Remember, sometimes we get stuck in the chair of complacency and so sometimes God wants to use a spark and I pray that today, today is your spark. And it's gonna get a little crowded, it can get a little congested and you're like, you're gonna have me stand and wait and there's gonna be people and I don't know and they're gonna be waiting. I'm gonna ask you to come forward, grab the juice, grab the cracker, spread out away from the table so that way everybody else can get to it. You can stay up front if you want, you can go back to your seats, there's no protocol. But I hope that in this moment, what happens is a moment of surrender. It's a moment where I pray that as you get up out of your chair and you walk forward, that you say, Lord, I'm coming forward. And I know this is, this is my first time at church. You're gonna, you're gonna ask me to do something I don't feel comfortable with. It's in that moment where we surrender that I feel like God takes us on a deeper, a deeper level of consecration. Like where you take this moment and say, God, if this is a spark of yours, then, then I, want, I wanna be all in. 
If, if you're in this, if you're moving in my heart and in my life, then I, I wanna be able to get up out of my complacency and out of my chair, and I want you to stir and fan into flame what it is that you're asking of me. Because if he meets you at your level of expectation and you come expecting, I know he's gonna show up. So as you walk your way forward and you grab those elements, I pray that you surrender to him, that spark. Then what do you do? I'm gonna pray. And once you're done taking of the elements, then I'm gonna encourage you to do something maybe you don't feel comfortable with, maybe you've never even done before. But I'm gonna encourage you as a, as a sign of surrender to lift your hands, to open up your voice, to sing, to bless the Lord, to abandon your heart, to say, God, I don't wanna be distracted by anything or anyone in this room because I only want to be an audience of one. So would you join me this morning in praying? Father God, I pray. I pray for a mighty move of your spirit. God, I pray as we get up out of our seats, Lord, it's in that moment as we pray that we seek your face. God, I pray that you would do something mighty and powerful in us and through us. As we come and we take in, in, in your elements this morning, your symbolical uh, last supper, Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts. Lord, we give thanks for the cracker this morning what it represents, your body that was, that was torn and beaten and bruised for us. You didn't have to, but you surrendered to your Father's will. And God, I pray today that as we take of communion, we would surrender to your will. Father, I pray for the juice that will, that will, be, that will be taken this morning. God, I pray that we would give thanks for what it represents. It is not the actual, bl your blood, but it is symbolic of your blood, a blood that washes, a blood that cleanses, a blood that, that, that when our Father looks down, he doesn't see our iniquities, he doesn't see our sin, because we are washed white as snow through your sacrificial blood. So Father, we give you thanks. And God, I pray today that we don't, and I'm so thankful that we don't have to manufacture your presence, that you show up and you show out in a way because all we're doing is coming to you. We're surrendering to you. We're, we're, we're divesting ourselves to be more like you this morning. So Father, may it be accomplished today. The sparks, the vision, the mission, the purpose, the calling. God, whatever it would be in our life today, would you bring it to fruition? God, I pray that we wouldn't care what anybody else thinks, but we would settle into what you would have for us. If you've put it on our heart, may it be brought to fruition today. God, I pray that we would clear our minds, we would clear our hearts, as we take of your supper, as we surrender to you, God, with our hands lifted and our hearts abandoned, may we truly, truly in this moment give to you our life, our passions, and our desires so we could receive from you today, Lord. So won't you do it? So we give you these moments, Lord, and we come expecting you to speak to our hearts, to speak to our lives. God, if we don't have a burden, would you burden us? If we're struggling with a passion, would you reignite that flame? And God, I pray that through your pneuma, through that fresh breath of the Holy Spirit, that you would breathe, that you would fan in the flame that spark and that passion today like never before. May we leave this place understanding and knowing that we had an encounter with the one true living Christ. We give you thanks. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever you're ready, you can grab the elements. And whenever you're ready, you take. And when you're done, let's lift our hands and our voices. You're here right now. Your spirit is here moving.
Spirit is here. You're working even when I don't see it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Oh, our God is faithful. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. in your own words. Begin to tell him how faithful he is, how thankful you are for his love, for his grace, for his mercy. Come on, he is speaking right now. His spirit is here in this place. Light 
in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. 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 Yes, it is. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are.